0: Oh, Oh, Paul, this man with a heart of gold is coming on the line just as we speak. Uh, good point, <laughs> yes. Robert Crash, credit Chief Sports Writer of the Courier Mail. Crash, have you settled down after the weekend sport? How are you, mate?
1: Oh, good, Andrew, and uh, but I'm still uh, completely fascinated as we all are by in- the English soccer team now. And uh, <laughs> we've said it so often, haven't you? You haven't lived until you got a mate who's an English sports fan, and. <laughs> Our old mate Mark Templeton was rising very high in the saddle this morning, you And guess what? When I walked past his place after England's victory, I'm worried he's getting ahead of himself yeah. because I heard the tune of one of the great anthems in sport coming out of his window. It's coming home, the English song. <laughs> oh, we've actually got his ringtone here with us. Oh, Crash. beautiful! Put it on. Put it on.
2: sounds like a Channel 9 uh, uh, advert from the 1990s.
1: (laughs) Look, it was written in 1996 for the European Championships. And it becomes number one every time England are a contention (laughs) for anything over there. It soars up the charts. I have to say this... I put that on sometimes myself if I'm having a really down day. I put it on in the car and it just gets you fired up. It's one of the most... It's called three lines after the three lines on the chest. But it just gets you pumping for the day. And oh, uh, does, yeah. it, it, and I recommend it to anyone. But I think Mark's getting 10 power. He's getting well ahead of himself, Andrew. I mean, they're into the quarterfinals. What's he thinking?
0: Uh, could be, <laughs> but you're dead right, Crash. And if you can somehow get it on YouTube and see the film clip that goes with it with Martin Tyler doing some commentary and flashbacks to the old... 1966 World Cup final when they won in, in Wembley. It's a fabulous jingle, anthem, whatever you want to call it.
1: Oh, yeah, and, and they sing it every time, you know, when it, when it echoes around the stadium, um, as we said, uh, you know, and, uh, uh, you know, we're taking the mickey out of our old mate Tempo. But I, I, when, it, when England lives in any sport, when they're good at, say, cricket, as they are at the moment, it lifts the whole status yeah. of the sport. Yep. I mean, because, you know, long-suffering fans come out of the woodwork and uh, and this is good. This is... Uh, it's fascinating stuff.
2: Now, where do uh, England Raiders, as, as far as underrated and overrated go this week? Where do they find themselves?
1: Well, uh, firstly, the jingle that we've just played mm-hmm. is underrated as one of the great sporting anthems. Mm-hmm. Uh, play it three times and you'll fall in love with it. Other things that I felt this week were underrated is Mark Stickerty. Now, with Pat Cummins injured, they will call in one or two bowlers into camp for the per- for the Adelaide Test against the West Indies. Scott Boland will play, and so he deserves to, if Cummins is out. But Stickerty's been very good for a lot of years. He's an Australian under-19 player, Plays for the Bulls, uh, hails from Warwick, real good round-shouldered country kid who just keeps putting in. So if him and Michael Neeser get called up today, it'll be be very worthwhile. One of them will for sure, I would imagine. Um, also, uh, one thing that's just been really drawn to my attention over the last few weeks is how good sportsmen have good managers. And uh, I've watched closely the work that Nikki Mathias does with Ash Barty just behind the scenes and just clearing all the obstacles from her life and letting her focus on, you know, she's retired now, but in those really... A, a difficult and challenging career, and I saw it again when Cam Smith was in town. I watched his manager Ian Davis behind the scenes, just tidying up loose threads, never wanted to be in the spotlight. Same as Nicky, but and, and, and Andrew, uh, someone who you know well, uh, Chris White, mm. manages Gian Rooney. Now, I I was so impressed by her at our Olympics function for the Courier Mail Friday, dealing with her beforehand, dealing with her afterwards. And she said, you know, I've been with Chris White for more than half my life. Mm. And, of course, Chris used to bowl for you at university, didn't he? Just one of those managers. You you, you rarely see him or hear from him, but he's just doing his business. And I think I've seen so many young kids come through and not get the right manager. But when you get that, that, when you put the ball through the post, you can help a kid.
0: Well, I think even Whitey would concede he's a better manager than he was a bowler, but... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh, it,
1: did he get tonked a bit? Oh, there you go. Well, Whack. he
0: started off really well, but then he ran into some good players, and uh, I do remember the ball disappearing into the dog pound there at Fellberg Park at South a oh, few times. Oh, that's time. a big hit, isn't it? That's a big hit, yes, and I think Whitey realised that. I might just uh, go down the Mark McCormick line and stick with my <laughs> management, but you're dead right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's behind the scenes. He's been with Grant Hackett a long period of he time. With Michael Clarke for a while. Pointed him in the right direction. Um, Very understated. And you're dead right, Crash. The understated managers tend to be the best. There's the Mark McCormats of this world and, uh, you know, the James Erskins. Uh, I'm not saying they're not good, but uh, those who are understated uh, tend to go well with understated athletes. Good on them. And what about overrated, mate?
1: Overrated? I I fear... I've heard whispers of the price that Cricket Australia are asking for for some of the television rights, and I just wonder whether they're going to get it, you know. Um, The Big Bash, they're they're deceptively close to to finding a deal, I understand, in the cricket rights. Uh, Channel 10 and Paramount are right at the front there. They've got a big decision to make, whether they go with the low-rating station, take the cash and go with them whether they stick with 7 or go back to Channel 9. So, but I know they're charging a lot of money and I fear that the Big Bash could be overpriced. That's what I fear. That's the feedback I'm getting back from the television executives.
2: Mm. Crash, um, no mention of Fox there. Does that mean uh, Paramount would be the paid television or streaming service provider?
1: No, I I, I don't actually. I I do believe Fox are really in it and and up to their ears in it. And I know that they've been... Uh, Cricket Australia consider Fox a very low maintenance and high uh, performing client, uh partner and. I'll declare my interest here. I have worked for Fox and I, and I still contribute to them. So there you go, I'm part of their company. But we have had that feedback. I can't categorically say they're going to get it, but I know they're really, really in the, in the thick of things at the moment. And, and, I, and I would imagine they'd be reasonably confident, given the service they've given over the past six years. I mean, Seven has... In, has at various stages launched legal action to try and get out of, that, of their contract. Fox were never like that. They were very happily engaged with cricket. And um, and it, it spills into more than just the television coverage because it, it means that cricket is maximised in newspapers and online through the Courier Mail and all the News Corp websites. But, yeah, interesting month ahead. Now, we've got cricket to talk about, and Grant from Aspley has sent this through Boys, can you ask Crash,
2: how's David Warner perceived within the the walls of the Australian cricket team's dressing room?
1: Is he a popular figure? Uh, Really good question. He is his closest mate by a long way is Usman Khawaja. Um, and they grew up together from when they were about kids of about eight or nine years old. They opened the bowling together, if you can believe that, in district cricket in Sydney. So they're they're dead honest with each other. Like, Usman will pull David up on something and say, oh, mate, no, you got that wrong. So uh, as far as his other mates, I'm not certain. I would say this. um, I'm not... Since the ball tampering... Uh, incident in South Africa in 2018 when Warner was banned uh, and the others... The, there was uh, Bancroft and also Steve Smith banned and they took the rap for the team. I'm not sure they've ever been as close as what they were. That's one thing I could say. But they've got on with life and that is the sign of a good team. You don't hear much of the splits. Warner has been very silent on the ball-tampering affair The interesting decision for me with David Warner is he has been offered big money to do his end of of career autobiography. But here's the thing. If you get offered the big money, which he has, they want you to sing for your supper. In other words, they would want the full ball tampering story, full disclosure. Who knew? Who didn't? What happened behind the scenes? So it's a really difficult decision. Mark Bosnich was offered a couple of million dollars for his career story and said, I cannot tell it. There would be too many skeletons there. It would destroy my life. I don't care what I'm offered. Uh, And it was a couple of million dollars. He said, I can't do it. So David has, I think, signed for the book. His manager, James Erskine, has said, "Don't don't blow up the building. But... Paul, it's it's a tightrope walk, isn't it? Don't you think? Oh, absolutely. And you've said a couple of times,
2: Crash, if if players like Tiger Woods are going to do the tell-all book, it's got to be exactly that. You can't be just telling stories that we already know about. We no. want some. We
1: want something extra. Oh, actually, I'll give you a little bit extra on the relations. Some. This is one thing I did notice earlier this year. Quite a few of the bowlers got married. And I didn't see a lot of the batsmen, or barely any of them. Travis Head went to one of the weddings, but there was barely a batsman at the bowlers' weddings. (laughs) And so, in other words, I'm not saying there's great hostility there, but I'm saying that the bowlers are very close and the batsmen are very close, as happens with a lot of teams. So... Uh, you know, and that's that's where you see true friendships, don't you? Invitations to weddings.
2: I hope uh, uh, Alex Carey's got
0: Netflix then, Andrew. Yes, he won't get invited any anyway. <laughs>
2: that's all, all by himself.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, the one question I'd like David to answer is why did I coerce the least experienced member of the team to do my dirty work in South Africa? That's what I want the question. Did I think that it would blow up his life
1: and his career? Yeah, it, it, it's, it's just... Uh, he's been the one, Cameron Bancroft, who has... Paid the greatest price, no question. I think. Absolutely, yeah, sure. No question. Uh, uh, over the weekend at the Gabba, um, you know, he scored an incredibly long-lasting century against a very good Bulls attack. But he's only he only played ten tests. He's averaging in the mid twenties. I don't think he will be back as a test cricketer, and that's the thing. Smith could be Australian captain next weekend if Cummings is out. So there's a sense for Smith that he is back where he was. Mm. Uh, Warner is waiting on this leadership band to lift, but even if it doesn't, he's sort of... Oh, rehabilitated his reputation just by returning to the fray, just by playing on, just by getting your name up there again. But Bancroft's been the lost figure, you know. I did hear once that he, he spoke to a mate of mine about the incident and just when he was in the dressing room, I, I, I think, you know, all the pressures came down on him of being a junior player in the team, you know. And Faf Duplessis and having to do what the team wanted. And that's where I thought Faf Duplessis' book was because he says, I've been Cameron Bancroft. I've been that young player who they said, oh, can you do this to the ball? You know, not with sandpaper, but with other things. He said, believe me, it is a crushing, crushing pressure.
0: Yeah, it's one thing to be asked to go and get the beers after play because the youngest <laughs> in the team, but you know, mm. do something like that. That's that's for me is the big is the is the topic that's never mentioned uh, in relation to the whole incident. The effect on well, I, I think if
1: if I reckon uh, if you said to Bancroft what were your thoughts when you are in the dressing room, I, I think he must have looked down and sort of thought how could i not get caught here you know i mean what taking sandpaper under a a cricket field i mean it's just you know what with the amount of cameras that are there and, and 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 you're doing it because the camera was following someone else what they were doing with the ball you don't reckon they were going to follow you so he surely would have suspected that his number was going to come up but you know, it was peer pressure, and uh, and he did it.
0: He did. Uh, what do you make of the uh, Perth Test uh, crash? I mean, it was a bit of a grind to get them out, that we got them out. I mean, uh, kudos
1: to West Indies in your book, or uh, how have you read it? Uh, I just felt that the West Indies, I liked the way they looked Australia in the eye when they were batting and, and, and kept on. Andrew, I wrote a column this morning. I'd be interested to see whether you agree or disagree just saying that the Australian attack is outstanding. Four players of more than 200 test wickets. It's about the only time history's ever had that. But if they're, if, they're, if you could improve on it, the one thing that you w- wouldn't mind is that hell-raising fast bowler mm. like Mitchell Johnson in 2013 who has blokes in the dressing room going, Geez, like Kevin Peterson at the Gabba, when he said, I could die here at the Gabba in 2013. When, when Johnson's just running amok. You know that 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 mm. high-voltage Joffrey Archer slash Brett Lee slash j- just just to shake things up a bit. Your feelings? Uh, absolutely correct. I said to Paul uh, right at the top of the show. You know, uh, we bowled well,
0: but. Uh why did it take us so long to bowl them out i mean everyone looked to be bowling well but this is not a strong team we didn't we didn't break through um, very interesting i mean you got to have a watching brief on this west australia i haven't seen him but if he's a quick bowler you get quick bowlers in while they're bowling quick early because you don't know how long it's going to last if he's anyways okay i'd be fast tracking him well he he was morris, amongst yeah. the wickets on the weekend wasn't he crasher lance morris
1: yeah, yeah morris uh, well If you can bowl at 150 kilometres an hour and have that little bit of of madness about you, which they say, you know, he's, Mm. he's, he's got, and it's a really good point. Jeff Thompson always says about the, he was one of the, well, perhaps the quickest of all time. He said, the flame burns brightly, but briefly, Mm. you know. The exception to the rule was Brett Lee, who bowled express pace for 20 years. He was a freak. But Shoah Bakhtar's quickest work was when he was young. You know, uh, Jeff Thompson's quickest work was when he was young, pre shoulder injury as well. So you're right. I, I just, it's just, Andrew, that they've got India in India and England in England and next year, and England have got Jaffra Archer. So I've got a bit of a watch on that. Well, is it um, Riley Meredith? Mm. Is it Morris? Mm. Maybe it's none of them. But just that. I just saw the damage that a really quick bowler can do because it gets wickets at the other end. Mm. Blokes start playing these crazy shots because they're thinking, "Oh, jeez, that that bloke's flying." Oh, I just and and then they get agitated, their footwork goes. Um, but that was just the only thing that was missing for me was the mad dog, that mm. sort of electric crackle sort of bowler.
2: Speaking of uh, mad dogs, did you see Joe Root batting left-handed in Pakistan overnight, Crusher?
1: I did, and I enjoyed it. And I just think, uh, if I can say underrated to the other underrated, this England cricket team is remarkable. Mm. What they've, how they've changed. This team that won one out of sixteen tests since Ben Stokes took over and Brendan McCullum uh, the coaching, they have been extraordinary. A- and they they went in, uh, came out in. At at Royal Pindi last night when Pakistan batted in their second innings and had no slips. They had no No, slips, zero slips. They said, we will try an attack of bouncing them. And they did. They got two early wickets and one player retired hurt. But I thought, how original is that? To to just think, right, no, not one slip, thank you. And uh, their their thought processes are incredible. Well, Joe Root batting left-handed for a couple of overs is part of this. There was rough outside his leg stump, so he thought, I will sweep across the ball here. And he, he got dropped in the outfield, and then he went back-to-back normally. But, look, it just shows that uh, they're thinking outside the square, and I have to say, I love it.
0: Yeah. Crash, thank you. Uh, speaking of thinking outside the square, we had the Australian Open, uh, three separate tournaments, the... Uh you know, disabilities tournament. The men, and the women together. We had Cameron Smith missing the last of the cut. What did you make of the whole sort of potpourri of the uh, event?
1: Yeah, I, I just hoped, Andrew, and I'd be interested in your opinion that the focus wasn't taken off the women by being outshone in the crowd stakes by the men. Like at one stage, I was watching television footage where there was thousands following Cam Smith and Adam Scott, and they crossed to the women and there was you know probably 50 or 60 at one point and and i just i that the women's crowd did build up it mm. did but but i just i just was wondering uh i hope they they weren't overshadowed in any respect by the crowd numbers because i was so hoping this concept would work because i think it's nice nice one to try your thoughts
0: uh i really hoped it uh, worked i mean the courses i think uh, sort of just about overshadowed everything they look so magnificent on tv being yep. paul mentioned earlier we just thought the last couple of holes the 18th for each of the men and, and the women was the excitement was somehow diluted by having them both together or in very quick yep. succession but i'm uh, like you i really hope it they somehow get it to work because i think it's a great concept
1: yeah yeah it is and um Um, You know, James Sublin, the boss of Australian golf, when he was boss of Australian cricket, it was one of his greatest legacy. He was five years ahead of the game in terms of promoting women's cricket. Mm. And not just because his daughter Annabelle played, he thought this is an area of extreme growth for the sport. Let's do it. And he was ahead of the game. Crash, it's always a pleasure, mate. We'll catch up later in the week.
2: It's coming home. See you, boys. (laughs) Robert Crash Craddock there.